Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again with another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud will bring one of our uh, mutual friends and favorite guests in here momentarily. Uh, but before we do that, let's uh, give thanks to our uh, friends and lead sponsor, Louisiana Hot Sauce. Louisiana Hot Sauce has been with us for three years now. Uh, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Uh, they've really become the driving force behind this podcast and always want to take time to thank our friends in New, Bi- New Liberia, Louisiana. And with that, uh, we'll jump into our conversation with Mark Ennis. Bud, we're always uh, fortunate to be able to have guests. I'll be honest with people and say that uh, it's not all the time that I look forward to them. Uh, sometimes you get good information. Sometimes you get things that might kind of make you question what you heard once the interview ends. Not the case uh, at all this week. One of our personal favorites, uh, something that just based off social media, it looks like people have come to expect. Uh, when Florida State plays Louisville, we're uh, fortunate enough to have Mark Ennis, and that, uh, that is true for yet another year. So, Mark, I appreciate you carving out time for us and look forward to uh, talking about these two uh, programs that are operating on a, a little bit less than uh, maximum efficiency right now. Well, it's good to be uh, back. How many years have we been doing this now? I feel like this is like the fourth or fifth year in a row we've done this. How many years has Louisville been in the uh, the ACC? Four. Yeah, right? this is yeah year five. This is year five. So this might be the fifth time we've done this. I think you're right. I think you're right because I do remember that that Thursday night game. We I do remember doing it the week before that game. That so was yeah, wild. This, I guess this would be the fifth. Oh, it was, and it was. I guess probably the high watermark for these games. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, so Louisville this year, not off to the best start. Hey, neither is is Florida State. Two and two on the year. Um, looking at the win expectancies on Bill Connolly's uh, sheet, zero ninety nine against an FCS team, twenty six percent against Western Kentucky, which was actually a win, and then uh, another zero. At Virginia, Mark, I, I think most people thought Louisville would take a step back without Lamar, but but not like step back and fall off the bridge. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, there was. I actually, it's. I think that people should have expected some step back, and that one of the most counterproductive things about this entire season has been uh, the the off season and preseason talk of Bobby Petrino that really talked people out of expecting what should have been kind of a normal drop-off. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the preseason at ACC media days, in local media days, and in interviews with us, the ones that he'll do, uh, you know, talking uh, like the offense would be, he said it would be better. You know, I asked him at ACC media days, uh, is there anything Juwan Pass does better than Lamar Jackson? You know, he said, I think our drop-back passing game will be better than it was under Lamar, which I thought was kind of a veiled way of saying Lamar wasn't great at that and that Juwan is. I, we're going to be led in rushing by a running back. This should be the best offensive line since I've been here. Uh, these wide receivers are the fastest group I've had since I was here the first time. You know, stuff like that. And none of it has materialized. So I, you know, I wonder if just strategically, either they've totally misdiagnosed these guys or if they thought they could help the process by talking them up in the preseason. But either way, they haven't looked anything close to what they were being sold by these guys as. So fans aren't really being all that unfair to them when they're like, where is the stuff you talked about? Because they they really ramped up and amped up the expectations far more than I think the average fan would have post Lamar. 
whenever you lose a transcendent player like Jackson, it's it's almost like some kind of uh, occasionally it'll be like some kind of power vacuum or something like that's been created at the position, and it's not always easy to move on. But uh, I know you mentioned one guy's name there a second ago in pass, but is is there certainty as to what the quarterback position looks like moving forward for Louisville? No. In fact, I would say yesterday on the ACC uh, coaches teleconference yesterday, he was asked, you know, have you picked a quarterback? He's like, I think we know what we're going to do, but they're not going to tell us. Uh, And honestly, the way they have handled the quarterback position and what we've seen out of the two guys that have played so far, uh, I'm all, I'm not entirely sure it matters. You know, like there's just, there isn't a good, a good solution. There isn't a good answer. And the Virginia game really, I think kind of nailed that. Uh, and brought that home. It, it, they switched quarterbacks in game against Indiana State and against Western Kentucky uh, from pass to Malik Cunningham. Then they switched quarterbacks in game from Malik Cunningham back to pass, and they still really didn't generate any offense whatsoever. So it, I'm not entirely sure it really matters, you know what they what they're going to do. Uh, but you've got this weird dynamic uh, where Bobby really sold Juwan Pass as going he's going to allow me to go back to sort of the more traditional what you would expect Bobby Petrino style uh, and then Willie Cunningham is more in the Lamar Jackson can really run uh, that sort of thing mold and so you have this like versions of Bobby Petrino against themselves but the thing about this year is neither one of them really works Mark you listed off a, a litany of problems and before I get to that I do want to say on the AC coach teleconference call, the uh, the thing I enjoy the most every week is that Petrino sounds like he is in a hostage video, uh, and like, <laughs> he does not want to be like if you, it, yeah, it, it's well, the effort we, level he gives on the ACC coaches call is probably the most male in level of effort of any coach in, in an interview um, ever. Usually, it, it's it's pretty fun. Um, back over back over the summer, but we did a, a, a thing. Just I mean, we we have noticed that too, uh, and we did a thing where we had we played audio of Bobby, and then we just had Siri read the transcript of Bobby, <laughs> and I mean there was little to no difference at times. <laughs> so yes, he hates it. And, you know, the quintessential moment was uh, when they played. I, I cannot remember who it was. But they played somebody last year, and it was Mike Finn's like second or third to last week on the job, and nobody had a question for Bobby, which is Bobby's dream, of course. So Mike Finn starts to just ask him a question since no one is dialed in to ask him a question, and Bobby just stops him in the middle and just says, Mike, we don't have to do this, and he just hangs up. <laughs> for those of y'all who don't know, uh, Mike Finn was the longtime – uh, ACC communications guy, and he was the moderator on the uh, the coaches call that were on every uh, was it Wednesdays normally? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Wednesday mornings, and he's one of the nicest people on earth too. So yeah, really, so, like I, I know a lot of the fans out there, especially ACC fans, kind of hate the ACC, but the, a lot of the people at the ACC are really exceedingly nice. Yep. Um, you mentioned a lot of problems on the offense that don't match up to what you heard in the preseason. Is it? Is there one unit that's maybe closest to, to living up to the hype on the offensive side? I mean, I think the wide receivers uh, have had moments, uh, and I think that they're still a really good deep unit, but they've all got 
the yips. I mean, all of them, Jalen Smith in particular, you know, I, I, uh, drops have been a big problem. But other than that, I feel like that's a good, deep, talented unit. Uh, but, you know, these things are not uh, – there's a symbiotic relationship with protection and the quarterback. You know, wide receivers can only be as good as the ball getting there. Uh, and so they've been short-circuited. Uh, I would say that the, the unit that's closest is wide receivers. If they could just get competent quarterback play, I think they're solid. Uh, and the unit that's nowhere close to what, what we were told is quarterback. Uh, it, I mean, Bobby really, really sold Juwan Pass. He's a captain. Uh, there was no battle for the quarterback position. He was anointed. And Bobby said he was better, like I said, things that uh, better at some things than Lamar even was. And uh, he's he's not – He's not been good. He's been hesitant, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, inaccurate. I think he's been jittery. I think he sulks. I mean, it's really been the opposite. So I think the receivers are good. Somebody's got to get on the ball, and it's got to be a quarterback, and I really don't know what the best answer there is. You know, Mark, I looked at this. Uh, Jalen Smith and Des Fitzpatrick, two guys who are, I think, fairly proven, by at least by college standards. Yeah. 39 targets, 18 catches. Is that right? Yeah, and I think nine drops. Wow. Yeah, it, no, it is really, it is incredible, incredible, incredible what has happened uh, at the quarterback position and the way it just sort of bleeds. Now, and the crazy thing is, like, you can't even do the thing where you you say, look, they played Alabama in week one because, oddly enough, even Bill Connolly's, like, advanced numbers show, like, their second best performance or their best performance offensively this year was Bama. Like, like they played Indiana State, Western Kentucky, and Virginia. And and they're not going to play an easier third of the schedule than the one they played, even the one that contains Alabama. So it's really, really daunting. It's really worrisome that they didn't really come out firing because it's not going to get easier. One of the things we've harped on uh, is you know, they had nine games left in the season at two and one. You didn't know who the quarterback was. And Virginia is the ninth best team you're going to play. And then they go beat, they, you know, they lose by 24 don't get in the end zone. Uh, it's, I mean, there's clamoring, but to play, you know, Jordan Travis, who I think is a really nice quarterback, but he needs time. Like there's, there's they're already clamoring to start the true freshman week five. That's how bad it is. Damn. And uh, uh, Jordan Travis is actually the uh, little brother or little cousin of uh, Devin Travis, the Florida State baseball player who's now with the Blue Jays. Cousin, cousin. He played for Eric, Eric Cresser. Mark, uh, not to like get out over our skis here or to be too presumptuous, but I guess when things generally don't go particularly well with with Petrino at an institution, it doesn't tend to uh, it tends to only but go in one direction. Do you do you sense with some of the situations that there's an eroding of of general support or frustration with uh, with the direction of the program right now? I, I'm not trying to put you in a uh, awkward yeah. situation either, and if you I'm also not looking for you to, you know, leap to a bunch of conclusions, but uh, just from an outsider, it, it seems like maybe the momentum that the program had two years ago is not uh, is not there right now. No, I, I, there's no question that he has lost a lot of. He has a a solid, sizable uh, cat, group of supporters, uh, population among the fan base that that really, I think, rationally can look at his overall results as a head coach everywhere. He's had one bad year, that first transitional year at Arkansas. That's it. And so even at two and two and them looking really bad, uh, those people, you know, call the show, they text in the show, they tweet at you during the shows and things. 
And they say, look, man, give the guy time. Like he's never had a bad year. And they're really, they're not wrong. Uh, and if they want to reasonably wait until the end of the year to draw some sort of conclusion about him, it's really not crazy. I mean, they really have never just booted a season uh, before, but they're two and two and they've never been this bad at the things that you take for granted being really good when he's the coach. Like that's the, the thing that I think is really worrisome. You know, last year you had Lamar and you 600 yards a game of offense and stuff. And the defense was just horrific, but you're like, all right, well, the offense is at least good. Like now the defense is okay. And the offense is bad. You're like, what do you do when the, 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 the Petrino thing isn't good? Uh, and you're still staring down eight games. I don't know that they'll be favored in any game the rest of the year outside of maybe Wake Forest if Wake Forest continues to be really bad defensively. And that's, I mean, that's that's never happened to Bobby. It's never happened to Louisville. Uh, and he has lost, I think, a lot of like the malleable middle who just want to be entertained and want the team to be good uh, because Bobby's not really endearing either. Like, I, that's not breaking news. You know what I mean? Like, he people have come to expect a certain style from him and you know, you get a lot of negative publicity, which is Bobby sort of being the guy and that sort of thing. If there's not really a payoff anymore, there's really no reason to keep supporting the guy. So I think he's lost a lot of people, but not everybody. Uh, and I guess beating Florida state would probably help this weekend, but I should probably say it more accurately, like not losing to Florida state would help. Uh, and if, he, if they lose this one, I mean, I worry about the Florida sort of coming out. Um, yeah, Florida State's triple option from Georgia Tech, go to Boston College, and then it's right. Wake at Clemson, at Syracuse, NC State, and then Kentucky, which looks really good this year. Oh, no, there's not there's not one obvious win on the schedule right now left. Not one. You, I mean, they could you could reasonably make the case for 2-10 and 10 before you could make a case for 6-6. Six and six. Podcast also brought to you by the For the Table restaurant group, For the Table. Always delivering a great meal. Uh, unlike so far this offense on the year, Mattis Social, Township, Central, and Soto, all right there in the heart of College Town, right there in the shadow of Doe Campbell Stadium. Also, the Social Agreement, Ingram, pretty cool deal they have going at Mattis Social on Thursdays. Hey, that's when we're recording this. I should head over there and grab one. Two bourbons, two beers, order of wings, two burgers, 40 bucks. You and a friend. That is a power lunch. So definitely go check out the social agreement at Madso. Florida State may have the worst offensive line in the country. It may be slightly bolstered by the return or appears to be the return of Landon Dickerson. But uh, it's rare to, to say that any team of Florida State is going to be just nationally dead last. And, and I don't think I'm speaking hyperbole to potentially describe them as the worst unit in the country. Um, how how much do you think Louisville uh, and their defensive front is in a position to take advantage of playing a unit that's in the shape that Florida State's front five is? Yeah, I think it's. I think this game would honestly be a whole lot more fun for just like a, uh, a Benny Hill kind of hilarity uh, side if the two offenses could play each other. Like that would be great <laughs> because they can, neither one of them can do anything, and it would just be comedy. Uh, but uh, as it stands, I think. If the two offenses are terrible, and they are, uh, Florida State's defense is much more of a mismatch for Louisville's bad offense than Louisville's defense is for Florida State's bad offense. Uh, and, and I think they, they got a little bit – like Alabama did whatever they wanted, but newsflash, they're doing that to everybody. Uh, Western Kentucky ran 
for over 200 yards against Louisville. Uh, they they tightened up in the second half, and I think Van Gorder is doing an okay job. But I would not say that Louisville in the front seven is just uh, loaded and can really take advantage of the fact that Florida State isn't that good at moving people. Uh, and they're a little bit beat up. They've had to play a lot of young guys at linebacker. They've had injuries galore at linebacker to start the season. Uh, Dorian Efford should be back, so that's a little better. But, I mean, it's – it's a perfect chance for them to maybe have kind of a, a shutdown kind of game to gain confidence, but I wouldn't say that the seed, so far this season that they really uh, have shown that they can take advantage of the fact that Florida State is not good uh, up front. Uh, and one thing to watch for with this one is I think at times the offense being as bad as it has has really taken a lot of the wind out of the defense. You know, they they did fine against Virginia for like a a little more than a half that game is six to nothing at halftime bar by the way uh, and second drive or first drive of the second half Virginia throws an interception Louisville picks it off he gets uh, Roger Burns gets tackled at the four yard lines it's first and goal at the four Louisville runs three plays they get no yards they kick a field goal uh, and then the defense immediately gives up like an 80 yard touchdown drive after that so I think the defense can hold for a while but I think somewhere mentally they start to realize the cavalry's not coming there's no run support coming uh, and then they just sort of begin to bend, too. So that will be something to watch for. Like, if Florida State struggles early, but Louisville doesn't get anything going offensively, the defense tends to wear down, too. Mark, I'd like to surprise you with a game that I just made up right on the spot. Uh, it's called the Suck Quiz. Uh, so <laughs> we're we're going right. to uh, give you a category, and you get to tell us who has been worse in this category, Florida State or Louisville. We'll start, <laughs> we'll start with success rate. Who has been worse at success rate? Well, Louisville's played a couple bums and have like some bursts. It's uh, Florida State has to be worse. Uh, correct. Yeah, Florida State one hundred and twenty fourth in success rate. Uh, take that, UTEP. And uh, where's Louisville? Louisville's one hundred fifth. Ha ha! Like twenty percent better. Yeah. Now let's look at uh, explosiveness. Who who has the edge in explosiveness? Uh, I would have. It would have to be Florida State because Louisville's had I think one forty yard pass. This year, and all the explosive runs have been the quarterback. So it's, Louisville has to be worse than this one. Uh, correct. Again, Florida State is uh, 44th in marginal explosiveness. Louisville is 108th. Oh, God. Uh, how about uh, average starting field position for the offense? No, I, the, Florida State has to be worse here. Louisville has actually been a decent punt returning team. Do they block any punts? Because Florida State's been really good at getting <laughs> punts blocked and almost blocked. Louisville has blocked a field goal. Oh, okay. That could be a. We take that. We'll cross that bridge. Uh, you're right. <laughs> Louisville is 59th in field position. Florida State 121st. Oh lord. Uh, Why? How about although although hey, let me just tell you, you guys, Louisville's 59th, and that includes a kickoff return man. Did you guys see this last week against Virginia? Kneeling a kickoff return on the one yard line. <laughs> Do they coach that? I don't know that they coach anything right now. <laughs> like it was, I mean, it was, it was, it, it felt emblematic of just like the whole year. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, seriously, he just didn't fair catch it. Catch his kick off at the one yard line, kneeled it down the one yard. So keep that in mind. That number is skewed. All right. Finishing drive. So red zone scoring. I don't even know if Louisville gets in the red zone. I'm going to say the Louisville sports. Uh, no, Florida State is worse by. Uh, Three spots, 124th versus 120th. But See what I mean when I say this? 
This yeah. game would be so much better if the two offenses could somehow play each other. <laughs> oh, man. How about uh, turnover luck? Do you feel like Louisville's been lucky or unlucky in turnovers? I don't really feel like that's been a factor kind of at all. Like, they've just been bad. They haven't really turned the ball over a ton. I would say Florida State's been worse. Uh, Florida State has been worse. They are 125th in turnover luck. And uh, Louisville is 120th, actually. But the margin here is the gap between 120 and 125 is actually pretty big. Um, So that has been the suck quiz. Uh, That's unbelievable, guys. This is – I had no idea. I mean, I watched Florida State play Samford in the press box during that rain delay. uh, And then – I watched Virginia Tech and I YouTube watched a chunk of Northern Illinois. And for whatever reason, it didn't feel that bad, but I guess it is. The Syracuse game really blew everything up, didn't it? They really couldn't block Syracuse at all. Uh, One of their tackles had a zero grade from Pro Football Focus. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. It was kind of very serious. This kid had like a – not a breakdown, but like he really just totally abandoned this technique. He looked like he had no idea what he was doing, so they had to pull him. Um, and you know, he didn't I know have any healthy tackles really. So I know. I guess I saw the what they lead the nation in the number of linemen that have started. Yeah, they've already had nine different linemen start Jeez. a game. Well, they, it, it, look, and just to let you know, this is still a competition. Well, four out of five Louisville linemen are now at a different position than they were in the opener. So Louisville's doing its part. <laughs> So that was the thing. I was told by a really good source on the staff that, hey, our, you know, the starters actually aren't that bad. The backups, we, we kind of have trouble running practice when they're in there. Uh, and then, bam, 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 they lose like three starters to injury immediately within the first couple yeah. of games. And, well, yeah. you know, Bobby, Bobby at the weekly press conference today, and I, I don't know if Willie Taggart tell, actually tells you things, but every once in a while, Bobby will let something slip. He really tries hard to not tell us anything, but every once in a while, something comes out. And he said to the, like this week, they were going to go more ones versus ones just to like get better. And I'm like, really? That's that's the prescription. Like it's just it's so dire uh, to hear him talking. He's like, well, it takes away what we can do scheme wise, but we just have to get better at what we do. And I'm just man, this is going to be such a long year. So last week at FSU went back to basics. Uh, seriously, back to basics up front, and that sounds crazy, but they actually need to do it. Um, Is that a super lethal simplicity? Yeah, basically, it's like it's the 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 most simplicity. The lethal okay. they're, they're still working on the most um, streamlined simplicity that could be presented. <laughs> Absolutely. Willie Taggart coached the offensive line for like at least half of one of the practices with the old line okay. coach, and they were they, basically Ingram and I set a goal to have what single digit uh whiff blocks like blocks where just nobody touches anybody um and like at least get a hand on somebody that was kind of the goal for florida state and they achieved that goal against the niu hey, um, take it you'll take it i mean last week in the the that goal line possession for louisville against virginia which really i was like they're not gonna win when that happened six to nothing and you have first and goal on the four you run three times for no yards and kick a field goal. I was like, they are not going to win this game. I knew it right there. There was a th- it was third and goal. They tried to run off tackle with like a super jumbo tight formation. The left guard, the, the Virginia defensive tackle lined up head over him. Army crawls right in front of him. And he has no idea, like Linwood Ford, he has no idea what to do. He just watches him army crawl in front of him. And it ends up blowing up the entire play. Like, so I, I feel you. All that to say, I feel your pain. I know. 
podcast also brought to you by Resolution Home Loans. Resolution Home Loans proudly supporting the Nolcast. It's a Noel-owned company. Chad and Shannon do a great job. They're top loan guys in the state. They want to give you the best home loan possible with a great rate. They want to walk you through the process, make sure they communicate with, with you effectively. No false starts, and they want to go with tempo. They want to get you closed out fast with their almost home guarantee. They're going to be able to tell you exactly what they can get you and be able to tell you fast so you know when you see that home on the market, you're ready to get up there, snap the ball, and close that thing out. We should probably talk about the defense some. Um, I went back and watched some of that Louisville-Virginia game, and I feel like on a down-to-down basis, the defense wasn't like that bad. But, man, they they don't – Louisville's quarterbacks can run. Like, shouldn't Louisville's – defense like be a little more prepared for a kid running around you would think uh and i think part of it is they also just wear out but you know but if you look at uh bill Connolly's, you know stats like louisville has a a pretty solid like respectable first and second down defense like first and second downs they're in the kind of just square in the middle and they don't give up anything explosive on first and second down like they're actually really good explosive rates on downs are oh, really yeah. good on first and second down. But third down, it's free-for-all. It's like super third and Grantham. It's crazy. Uh, and it's so weird how bad they are. And I think it really tells a lot about um, just front four pass rush. You know, Louisville has a lot of young guys and sort of mix-and-match pieces, and they really miss John Grenard. That guy was going to be a really good pass rusher on the outside. He had a good game in Florida State a couple years ago. Uh, they miss him a lot. Lost him probably for the season in the opener. Uh, and trying to develop other pass rushers has been a real issue. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, you would think you'd like the defense. I mean, for a whole half uh, of the game, Western Kentucky did whatever they wanted, especially running to the edge and read option plays and zone stretch plays and stuff like that. Like, they just kind of did whatever they wanted. Eventually, Louisville settled in. But it's either that sort of thing where, like, I mean, there are times you watch and you're like, these these run fits, like, they're doing two different things sometimes. <laughs> like, it's – it's a little helter-skelter, but oddly enough, like it's a lot better than a year ago where Peter Sermon was just stealing. It's weird. I pulled that up because I was curious. Yeah, their, their third and long success rate on defense is 124th nationally. And that feels generous, honestly. You know what's weird, too? On offense, they are number one in the country at third and short success rate. Louisville is? Yeah, 100% success rate on third and short. I don't believe that for a second. I'm not going to lie. That's crazy. <laughs> they got stopped on third and goal against Virginia. That that can't be right. What what uh, was it from like the threes? I think third and short's like two and under. Oh, maybe so. Okay. Yeah, it was from the uh, three or four yard line. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's interesting because on offense, Louisville, they, they seem to really care about third and two or less versus like third and three to five because they're 122nd in the nation. Uh, that's, look at that. Bud, that is medium. ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That split is incredible. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Uh, also, they're number one in the nation. And one other stat, it is backed up turnover rate. So uh, they have not yet had a really bad turnover, apparently deep in their own end. All right. Yeah. Got something to build off of. Let's say. Let me ask, hey, let me ask you guys this. I just we kind of just dying to ask guys that really like Florida State paying attention. Like, how did it get so bad so fast? Uh, I think it was – I'll certainly let Bud answer here. I, I don't know that it got as bad as quickly as 
maybe people on the outside. I, I think it's been getting there, and there's been some things to mask it. Um, well, we know how that works here. Believe yeah, me, we know that. Dal- Dalvin Cook being a, a large part of it. But there's, you know, you go back and you look at uh, a year where where Georgia Tech's only conference victory. There, there, there had been some erosion in the overall level of talent, and certainly a massive amount of erosion in the development uh, of of kids once they got here. And the strength and conditioning program had been. Um, I don't want to say absent, but certainly not operating at the level it could have for 18 months or so. There was just a general lack of buy-in and kind of all of that became painfully obvious last year where maybe there were some signs in retrospect that you could have seen over the the previous two years. Specifically, I think as to the offensive line, um, like Anger mentioned, the the you know lack of development was 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 big. Um they also had a lot of injuries that were hyper-concentrated in one area, which either led to p- players being unavailable this year or which really hurt their development in previous years. You know, with Abdul Bello, their starting left tackle now, he blew his ACL almost immediately upon coming on campus. And he was uh, you know, a kid from Nigeria, very athletic, had actually played soccer at like 300 pounds, but needed all the development in the world. And he lost 18 months you know, with, with the knee injury. Juwan Williams, similar. You know, they're, they're under tackle. Um, you know, blew his shoulder very quickly and lost a bunch of development time there. Brock Rubel transferred. I guess he didn't think he was going to start. And then later on, uh, they uh, removed Josh Ball from the program for a, d- a dating violence thing, which happened under Jimbo's watch. But the removal happened uh, when after Taggart took over. So they were very quickly depleted at that tackle, uh, which has really been the issue they played Landon Dickerson at tackle. I think, Mark, you probably remember him as a recruit. You know, pretty big kid. I do. Yep. Um, he struggled to stay healthy and, and has an ankle thing right now, so he's missed the better – I think he's played, what, a half of football this year, maybe? Um, and then Derek Kelly uh, hurts his game – or hurts his leg in the Syracuse game, and he was coming off a knee injury, and I didn't personally think he had the athleticism to play tackle anymore, but that's just – that's how dire it was. Um so that's kind of how it happened on the offensive line. Overall, as a program, they have the lowest uh, APR score in the Power Five. Kids were just not going to class, like plain and simple. There was a lot of sort of things that were not going on in the program over the over the sixteen and seventeen seasons. So Jimbo, what are we talking about here? Like uh, wandering eye? So Jimbo starts uh, focusing on fewer things or what? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, okay. That and and maybe priorities, you know, shifting a little bit or, or taking some things for granted that maybe shouldn't be taken for granted. You know, thinking, okay, I got this one class of kids to do this. It should be automatic with these other kids. And, and, it, and it wasn't. Um, gotcha. You know, Taggart – Obviously, has been off to a really poor start on the field. Off the field, I think they had, what, no offseason arrests? And uh, the highest team GPA for the spring semester they've had since the year 2000. So I'll just add one more thing about the offensive line. I also think there was a little bit of hubris that got introduced to the head coach and the offensive line coach uh, as far as what they could take and ultimately turn kids into. If you look at the 2013 and 14 lines, um, one of those kids was a tight end in high school. One of them was a defensive tackle. Uh, another kid was a defensive player. A lot of the uh, 
a lot of the kids that they ultimately turned into one of the better offensive lines in the country and one of the better lines in program history weren't really pure offensive line recruits. And I think there was a, a little bit of a belief that ultimately they would get kids on campus and then um, turn turn a situation into chicken salad. And that uh, particularly over the last 18 months has become painfully painfully obvious that that uh, – if, if they did have a streak of luck there, uh, it, it came to an end pretty abruptly. Let's say that you have a an offense that in theory is a spread offense, but you're coming from one of the more pro-style uh, offenses um, you know, that you've run for about a decade, and the quarterback doesn't do a whole lot of like reading on the zone read or the RPO, and uh, it also doesn't uh, appear to want to run at all. Yeah. Would you say that plays into Louisville's hands defensively? Yeah, I think anything that just, you know, lessens the tension, you know, and I think that anybody that wants to try to play like straight ahead at Louisville, I think Louisville would, would love that. You know, even Western, I mean, the RPO stuff, freaking Tua ate them up with it. And again, he's doing it to everybody, but he really did it uh, to Louisville, just ate them up. In fact, I thought Louisville kind of stood tall to the power game from Bama. It was the RPO stuff that, that really opened it all up, and he's such a an awesome uh, thrower and scrambler. Uh, yeah, I think that Louisville would love to at least try to play just sort of a straight-ahead man ball kind of thing uh, with Florida State. I think it's a much better matchup for them than the idea that Francois is going to run uh, or make good reads and throw that sort of thing. I think that sort of thing has been a struggle for Louisville and will be. Uh, so, if yeah, if Florida State wants to come at it that way, I think they would, they would really welcome that uh, as the best option. I don't think that Louisville is going to shut down anything uh, but that would probably be the most advantageous way that Louisville would ask for a team to try to come at them that's kind of been my worry about this game is that it just watching Louisville on defense it doesn't seem like Florida State is good at any of the things that Louisville struggled with I'm trying to you know I think that the the, the threat of the running quarterback needs to be more uh, for Louisville to be really really stretched uh, and I think this game uh, but will far more turn on can Louisville's defense hold up or will they hold up like a whole game of Florida State just sort of running that stuff straight ahead of them. Uh, I mean, I think they'll get some movement and I think that there'll be a throw or two. Louisville hasn't given up big plays. There haven't been busts. It's been far more teams converting third and four or more and just staying on the field. I mean, Louisville only had four second half possessions against Western. You know, like that sort of thing. Like they, they can't get teams off the field, uh, but it's not big plays. And I think that it's then becomes the combination of they can't get off the field and then the offense goes out and goes three, three and out. Yeah, and then they're right back on the field again. And so I think you look again at the Western game, they stacked up like a 14 play possession on defense and then a 10 play possession on defense. You know, and against better teams like Virginia, they just bowl you over, which is, doesn't it sound ridiculous to say with like a better team like Virginia, but they are. Uh, and so Florida State, I think if they can just survive early, they may very well be able to wear Louisville down like other teams have. So question for you, who is going to be the defensive end uh, or maybe defensive tackle uh, who plays like an absolute All-American and has the announcing crew just totally geeking out over him? Uh, maybe in part because of a good performance, maybe also because Florida State's line doesn't really block anybody. We asked the Syracuse guy this, and he was dead on. Um, we did not have a Northern Illinois guest. But uh, who was your prediction to be the single, like the one-game All-American against FSU's O-line? 
All right, so who's going to get a contract off the FSU game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, I would say Jared Goldwire. He was a, a junior college guy that Louisville brought in. Uh, he enrolled in January, but then he immediately had shoulder surgery. So he didn't get spring with him, but they love him. He's 6'6". He's over 300 pounds. Big, uh, pretty athletic guy. Uh, and I think he has played a lot better weeks two, three, four than he did in the opener against Bama. And, uh, yeah, if, if the offensive line is going to be just plain old bad, he's going to – He'll have a pretty good game. So if, if you, I guess I'll go on record. If we're gonna, if we got to predict who's gonna get rich off Florida State for Louisville, uh, I would say it would be Jared Goldwire. I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's just what they need. He's just really raw. But it sounds like that doesn't matter against Florida State. Uh, typically, it does not. Uh, I might be, uh, uh, might be close to prediction time here. Uh, first, I want to ask you: Do you feel like the total of forty-six is too high? Uh, boy, if the total is 46, I would take the under. I would definitely take the under. I mean, look at look at uh, Florida. I mean, look at Louisville's game against Western. That that barely hit 46. Uh, in fact, I think it hit 45. So, no, that's too high. I would take under. I would go under 46 in this game. Are you saving? Uh, um, are you saving your prediction for the show? Uh, no, I mean, I'll, no, I don't mind. Uh, I think Florida State's going to win. And I think it will be just ugly. Like I've been, you know, I think I, who was it that I joked with? Maybe you, maybe it was uh, somebody else. Uh, that somebody's gonna have to win this game, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and uh, I think Florida State just they they have a quarterback. He may not be great, and he may be limited, but they do have one. Uh, until somebody just pulls a real surprise on me, and Louisville just really doesn't have a quarterback and i know you guys probably felt like this for a chunk of last year with with blackman uh like they don't really have a quarter by the way just thinking about uh counterfactuals and if things go differently if, if blackman picks louisville instead of florida state last year he is totally the starter at louisville this year like 100 percent. oh for sure i i yeah yeah and they liked him a lot Oh, they, they, they loved him. They, that was their guy. Uh, although they liked Jordan Travis, too. But, I mean, they didn't really get involved with him until after Blackman went ahead and committed to Florida State. But I think Florida State's going to win, like, kind of like Louisville's Western Kentucky game. Like, I could see, really see, like, 20 to 13 or 21 to 17. Like, I can't see either team just breaking this game open. Uh, there'll be long possessions. Louisville's defense lets possessions linger. Uh, and until, I mean, if they got three against Virginia, I think Florida State's defense is a lot better than Virginia's. Uh, and it's just hard for me to envision a radical change. You know, barring something magical, I think Florida Florida State will probably win and maybe cover that five, but not by much. Anger, you want to uh, you want to give yours? Yeah, I think uh, I think ultimately, whatever team like doesn't have a disastrous confidence uh, shaking event uh, may go on to win this game. Um, I personally like Florida State here, and uh, something maybe like a nineteen to thirteen score somewhere in that area. I'm going to go twenty-one uh, twenty FSU, uh, and obviously that's pretty ballsy to predict Louisville scoring twenty points. I definitely understand that um but i i just can't shake how bad field position fsu's offense puts its defense in i mean northern illinois had what four drives starting inside fsu's 40 or something like that it's if fsu's offense doesn't give ridiculous field position for louisville then then i don't think louisville will get to 21 plus 
but I'm going to go FSU uh, 21-20 here. I, I, I don't think either fan base will be comfortable during or after the game. Sounds about right. That's, that would be par for the course, I think, for the season, right? Sounds like 2018 to me, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No doubt. All right. Mark, Mark uh, we really, really appreciate, appreciate your time, man. Thank you. What, uh, Anytime, you guys. Anytime. Uh, tell everybody how they can listen to your show. Oh, sure. Yeah, you can just check us out on uh, ESPNLouisville.com or 939thebill.com. We're on Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. And, bud, you'll be on with us at 5 today. I will. Look forward to talking to you then, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Take care. As always, very much appreciate listening. Make sure to rate uh, and review us on iTunes or Google Play Music or Google Podcast or whatever you like. Uh, five stars for sure if we've earned it. And appreciate it. We'll be back with the Instant Reaction Pod on Saturday.